This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Raider Cody Podcast, the official podcast of RaidersBeat.com. What's up, Raider Nation? This is Wayne Mabry, a.k.a. The Violator, and you're listening to the Raider Cody Podcast Show. Get your ears on and get some of this. Yeah! What's going on, Raider Nation? Rolling into another week here on the podcast, and I'm still... Man, the excitement hasn't worn off for me at all the last three weeks. And I'm joined, as always, with my best friend, Chris. What's going on, man? Raider Nation, Cody, what's going on? Another exciting week. Another exciting week to come as well. Uh, Excited to dive in to what's going on with the nation, with you, and uh, our special guest we got coming up, man. Yeah, man. We got Rory Anderson coming on. Complimentary football, if you've seen him on Twitter. And uh, not just football news, man. we got a lot of exciting stuff going on behind the scenes. If you watched our live stream on Friday nights, of course, we kind of have a little bit of a, maybe a little bit of a foundation growing behind the scenes. Uh, a, a, a new close friend of ours, Raiders fan, Zach, has uh, kind of inspired us to maybe launch a little bit of a foundation to help fellow Raider fans uh, in need of a little uh, support, a little boost of, little boost of energy. And what better way to do that with some Raiders gear? Um, if you haven't caught up with it, make sure you're following us on our Twitter page. But yeah, man, Chris, I think we got a good thing brewing. A little bit of a double-headed monster here going on, man. Man, I tell you what, you know, Raider Nation, we're like a family. You know, we all have many different walks of life, but we all have one thing in common, and that's the love for this football team. But it goes so much deeper than that. In this situation, you know, that we came across, uh, we just wanted to to bless a family that was going through a little bit of a struggling time and yeah. make them smile. And then, you know, obviously it, it was so nice to see so many people jump on board to help another person out that's that's dealing with something and just blessing them. I just feel really honored to be a part of it with you, man, and with the Restorator Nation. And it's kind of grown into something pretty special here. So I'm, I'm excited about that more than anything. And just like you said, so many people jumping on board. I had uh, probably triple the donations that I would expect us to get. So for the most part, uh, Raider Nation, you showed up, you showed out. So that's why this thing might travel over a little bit extra. So stay tuned. Uh, won't be nothing too crazy. But I tell you what, this could be uh, it could be brewing something special, man. It could be brewing something special. But I'll tell you what, Chris, just like I was saying, I'm super excited of what's to come. Of course, our free agency, there's there's nothing to be sad about whatsoever. But we're gearing up for the draft, and speaking of the draft, at a little bit of a, a little bit of a uh, a vacation, I guess you could say this week, a little bit of a business vacation, had a one day trip 
traveling to Arizona. My second flight got canceled. It was only an eight-minute flight. The freaking thing got canceled. So I picked up an Uber ride two and a half hours from Phoenix to Tucson. Just so happened I got in the car with a diehard Arizona Cardinals fan. I'm really intrigued to hear, bro, <laughs> what he's about to say here. <laughs> you I'm going to go ahead and guess Kyler Murray came up. That was Am the I right. That was the first thing, man. That was the first thing. Of course, I get in the back of this Uber. And I got my I got my Raiders windbreaker on. I got my Raiders hat. I got my Raiders backpack. And the first thing he says, big Raiders fan, huh? I said, yeah, you think? <laughs> Obviously, yeah. <laughs> he's, got, he's got his Cardinals shirt on. I was all, Cardinals fan, huh? He's all, you think? I was all, okay, cool. We're even, man. We're cool. And uh, he's all, yeah. He's all, so what do you think about the upcoming draft? I was all, well, I'll tell you what, man. I was all, even though you got the first overall pick, I'll tell you my Raiders are probably still the most exciting team this year. He's all, hey, I can't argue with that. He's all, but who do you think we're taking first overall? I was all, dude, aren't I supposed to be asking you that question? Who do you guys think you're taking first overall? And he's like, man, anybody but Kyler Murray. And I'm like, whoa. I was all, for real? He's all, we got a quarterback, man. Josh Rosen's our guy. We got a quarterback. I'm like, hey. I can't argue with you. And some of these rumors that are floating around, he's all, it's bull crap. He's all, I can't stand it. I'm like, ooh. I was like, I don't know, man. I was like, it seems like it's leaning that way. There's a lot of trade rumors coming out already for Rosen. And uh, he seemed to kind of, maybe he's just one of those fans that is just stuck on Rosen. I'm like, yeah. I was like, but, you know, I agreed with him. I see where he's coming from. He just, you just traded up to the, what, 10th pick last year with us to get Rosen. Yeah, with um, the Raiders. Yeah, we got a third and a fifth back, if I'm not uh, mistaken. And they so, moved up from uh, 15 to 10 to get Rosen. Yeah. So it's like, what are you going to do, man? You going to dump him off immediately? And he agreed. He agreed. And uh, so he's like, hey, he's all uh, enough small talk. He's all, let's, uh, let's throw it on NFL XM radio. And I don't have XM. I don't listen to that stuff. So he kicked it on the XM radio station. And they were taking call-ins. I forget the, I forget the segment that was on. And this is what's cool as a Raiders fan, man. I'm sitting in the back of this Uber in Arizona. And every, at least every other call that was coming in was a Raiders fan asking what we were going to do with our picks. That is just, I mean, it goes to show you. Raider Nation is fired up, and this draft is going to be one of a kind. At this point, we are setting the bar this year with the best draft yet for the Raiders, man. And I'm pumped. Yeah, man. I mean, we got three picks in the first round, four in the top 35. I mean, we've been over and over that. And that, that you don't have that very often. Rarely does a team have multiple two, up to three picks in the first round. And when it does happen, it's exciting for that fan base. I mean, the possibilities are endless. You're going to bring in so much young talent into your football team. That's exciting. You know, I mean, last year, the Raiders had one pick in the first round at number 10 before they traded back. And it was I was excited all offseason about what they were going to pick with the one pick. Now we have three, and then we have one at the top of the second round. So I'm I'm really pumped on it. Uh, you know, I think it's like 33 more days till the draft. And also, you know, we're not done in free agency. I still anticipate yep. us bringing in a couple more guys that can have an impact. So it should be interesting to see how that, uh, you know, um, unfolds as we move forward here. Absolutely. And speaking of free agency, uh, last time we talked, we, we, we hit on everything in the first wave of free agency. But guess what? This episode, we're going to catch up and let's hit you with some facts about the second wave of free agency and what we did. The Raiders have re-signed wide receiver and kick return specialist Dwayne Harris and long snapper Trent Sieg. 
One day after being released by the Cincinnati Bengals, the Raiders agreed to terms on a one-year contract worth $5 million with inside linebacker Vontez Burfecht. The Raiders have signed ex-Lions cornerback Nevin Lawson to a one-year $3 million deal. We also signed former Chiefs interior offensive lineman Jordan Devy and former Giants safety Curtis Riley. And wrapping up the week on Friday, the Raiders have signed backup quarterback Mike Glennon to a one-year contract worth up to $4 million with his incentives. So yeah, Chris, all this week's kind of what we expected, trying to fill some depth and going after some guys with some contracts that are very friendly to our cap space, man. Yeah, I uh, think the Raiders are, you know, obviously not every pickup is going to be a, a Pro Bowl player, you know, so we're filling out a 90-man roster, but I like that Mayock and Gruden are adding players that, you know, are young, that are still athletic and have some starting experience. You know, maybe they didn't, it didn't work out perfectly the way they anticipated through the rookie contract. You know, you look at Curtis Riley and Nevin Lawson, Obviously, those teams are moving on with those players for a reason, but they have experience. There's some potential to tap into there. And more than anything, a realistic outlook is that they're good depth and competition for the current players that the Raiders have on the roster. And it's all—it's just going to make training camp that much more exciting. It's only going to make the players that we do keep better in the long run. Yeah, and the way I see it is I see this uh, roster is finally starting to fill out and we're starting to see what we're all about and we have our we have some clear needs here so we're going to bring in one of my favorite follows on twitter and i i know i say this about all of our guests they're all my favorite follows but one of them rory anderson complimentary football uh, i know he's ready to go so chris you ready to get him on the phone i have been waiting to talk to him on the podcast for quite some time man he's a trip to talk to you on twitter super knowledgeable and now to be able to hear his voice man let's bring him on let's do it yeah let's do it let's give him a call Boom. So we got special guest on the phone, Rory Anderson, a.k.a. Complimentary Football, found on Twitter at Holistic Pickle. One of my favorite follows, Rory. What's going on, man? It was happening. Exciting to be on the pod. Uh, definitely caught it when you guys first started up and uh, excited to see what you guys and, of course, uh, the cats over there, Stapler and everyone else, what everyone's doing in uh, podcast land. It's pretty exciting for Raider fans. Yeah, it's a little bit different, a little bit of different change of pace uh you're used to the the articles man i see you type up some good stuff i love your opinion i love you sharing it on twitter so i wanted to catch up first uh last week we covered the first wave of free agency we made some big splashes got raider nation excited so whenever you're looking at those big moves you're looking at brown you're looking at tyrell williams you're looking at lamarcus joiner trent brown what stood out to you, man? What do you like? What don't you like about it, man? How do you, how do you feel about that first week? Well, I, I will say the one that really stands out to me in a bad way is the Trent Brown signing. And okay. that's not because he's a bad player per se. And it's not even like that bad of a contract. It really is basically a two-year deal with a set of options after that. So it's actually a pretty safe deal. Um, in chess, I, I didn't see it coming. Um, I thought it was really weird, especially to make him the highest-paid tackle after having a great season in North uh, in New England. That really scares the crap out of me. <laughs> to have a guy who had 
like one good year in New England and sucked the whole time before that, and then all of a sudden you're going to pay him a lot of money. So I, I thought it was a little, I thought it was a little peculiar. I, I don't even have a problem trying to upgrade the O line per se. I just figured if they were going to do it, they would probably, uh, and we'll get to KO in a minute, but you know, work on that guard spot more than the tackles. So I thought that was a little odd, but the rest of the signing, I mean, I love, they went and got Antonio Brown for, I mean, the right compensation. I was saying from day one, they shouldn't be giving up more than a three for him. And they got him for three and a five. Mm-hmm. So that's the right way to get that. They gave him more money, big freaking deal. Um, you, you throw in Joyner in there. I think it's, it, they basically got what they thought Gilchrist was going to be last year, but they got the good version of him. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to have a big nickel presence that, that slot guy who can do everything and be kind of a Jack of all trades type uh, player. Tyrell Williams to be their number two wide receivers. Phenomenal. Uh, was one of the free agent targets I was really excited for. Uh, I mean, so overall, you talk about that. I mean, they did numbers on the offense, and I think it's a really smart approach. There was a lot of ways they could have come into free agency and been very successful with it. And coming in with the idea that they were going to spend in free agency on offense, build around Derek Carr, I think is a very intelligent way to approach it because this draft is loaded on defense, and there's going to be a lot of opportunities there. So it makes a lot of sense to me. They spent in pretty intelligent ways. Like I said, Malcolm Brown contract notwithstanding, but all things considered, <laughs> whatever. Um, but overall, I, mean, I thought it was a heck of a heck of a splurge of free agency, and I thought it overall was pretty well spent. I'm glad you brought up that Trent Brown contract because that's not something you're typically going to hear in Raider Nation. Uh, after seeing 52 sacks by our offensive line, most fans are saying, oh, high-paid offensive tackle to protect our quarterback? Boom. Steal. Perfect. But, yeah, you're right. You look at his last year, and it's not even necessarily that he had one good year. He really only had one good postseason. I mean, his regular season, to me, didn't really stand out as anything crazy. He uh, played decently, I would say, for the 49ers. But there was a reason he was traded off. He wasn't some franchise offensive tackle. And he was on the right side at that point. Got kind of uh, reborn again, left tackle for the Patriots mediocre but in the postseason was where he really stood out and that's where everybody's kind of focusing on which I hope now as a Raiders fan getting this guy that we get the postseason the the 2018 postseason Trent Brown for this offensive line Chris what do you think about it well there I will agree that when it came out right when the tampering window opened bang Trent Brown four years 66 million I kind of had an idea they were going to go out and spend a little bit on an offensive tackle but it definitely shocked me I was like wow uh, but then, you know, obviously I tried to dive into Trent Brown. Okay, what did they see? Um, you know, and I saw a lot in the beginning of the season, you know, watching some of the Patriots snaps that Tom Brady was getting the ball out quick. They were giving Trent Brown a decent amount of help. But as the year went on, they left him on an island longer and longer. Tom Brady was holding onto the ball for quite a while. And then you look in the playoffs, Trent Brown played fantastic. And Brady was holding onto the ball. And they relied on him against some pretty good pass rushers. And a couple of those teams with good pass rushers are right in the Raiders division. So I think that, you know, Mayock and Gruden, Tom Cable, yeah, Tom Cable, uh, you know, just broke down that film and saw him on the island against some pass rushers that they're going to be seeing quite often. 
And they figured, man, we have a huge hole here. Let's just go out and let's spend the money. Let's make sure that we get him. I think they were maybe worried about if they undercut him a little bit that, you know, they wouldn't bring in a tackle that's notable that someone that they believe in. So uh, did it surprise me? Yes. But I looked at, you know, some of the film and thought about it and like, you know, obviously said it's kind of just a two year deal after 2020. If it's not working out, they can bail out. So overall, I like it. And uh, more than anything, we got to get Derek Carr time to help him grow further with this offense and take advantage of those weapons. So I'm happy with it. He seems profile for cable tackle too. He's tall. He's long, long arms, seemingly athletic with his feet. It makes sense. Uh, he very well could have just been misused as a guard, which at his height and length kind of makes sense. It's very rare. You get a guy that big in terms of his height and arm length. And you put him at guard and they're successful. I mean, KOs don't necessarily draw on trees. Uh, the question is going to be, is he going to be a left tackle or a right tackle? Oof. If you think about who we faced in our division, a lot of the bigger pass rushers tend to line up opposite. They tend to line up on uh, opposite of the left tackle. And the faster guys are lining up opposite of the right tackle. So they could kick Colton Miller back to right tackle. Let him take on the Von Miller type, those guys who aren't necessarily bull rushers. And then you put Malcolm Brown at left tackle, take on like your Bradley Chubb, uh, what's his face from San Diego, not Bosa, the other guy. You keep saying um, Malcolm Brown. You mean Trent Brown, correct? Trent Brown, whatever. Okay. Brown. <laughs> you want to bring uh, that line? You want to bring that linebacker back and uh, <laughs> Malcolm Smith? <laughs> this that guy there's there's so many browns in this league it's gonna be yeah. ridiculous gonna browns be absurd i'm gonna be tongue twisting myself all season it'll be fantastic <laughs> no dude the, the offensive tackle situation right now is so up in the air and it's almost to me completely 50 50 so any argument i hear on who thinks who's gonna be play who's gonna be playing left tackle right tackle i can agree equally with with all situations so that's uh that's going to be to me the most the most tracked depth chart situation that i'm going to see all off season or at least during training camp uh that's gonna be the the news that we're all going to be waiting to to see break who's lining up where just kind of like what we did last year all of a sudden everyone's like donald penn's gonna be on the or colton miller is on the left side what about donald penn when he comes back then donald penn comes back lines up right tackle it's going to be a similar situation it's gonna be just like that just two young guys trying to work something out um, but to me, the next most controversial signing this offseason was Vontez Perfect. And I, first, I got to ask you, Rory. It seemed like you, uh, you you played this avoiding Twitter for those few days. What's going on, man? You, you trying to avoid some drama on Raiders Twitter? <laughs> no, definitely not. I've taken on new responsibilities at work, and I've just been slammed. And so it's really. Uh, kind of taken on my time and i've been kind of sucked away from twitter at times so i I was kind of in there and really able to kind of enjoy the first few days of free agency and then it was like life happened and all of a sudden (laughs) (laughs) well thanks for leaving us alone on the twitter streets man we could have really used your help (laughs) like i can't i literally i don't think i checked it on twitter for like two days and i'd come back and i had like multiple hundreds of notifications I just like I don't even know what to do. Like I have 
<laughs> no, they, they have no hope at that point. I get over like 30 or 40 notifications. I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry. I missed you. We're going to move on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, even, I didn't even know what to say. I was like, sorry, guys. I haven't been on Twitter because life. And, um, well, we're going to just start from here. <laughs> like, see where that um, oh, Yeah, I mean, that wasn't intentional. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, work's been going well. And I've been able to take on a lot more there. And it's kind of taken up a little bit more time than I had kind of assumed. <laughs> what uh what what are your thoughts though on the whole uh Vontez Burfick, the connection with Gunther, some of the, the hit issues he has on the field and lack of control, his concussions. Talk to us about your thoughts on the signing and how he fits as a Raider. I hate Vontez Burfick with a passion. Oh. Um I despise him as a player. I don't like the way he plays the game. Um I don't like the penalties. I don't like anything about him. That being said, I get how people see Vontez Perfect and they think back to the history of the Raiders and they see something that was like from the 1970s or 80s. I get that. I get that idea that you want to have that big, boisterous, you know, loud mouth that's going to be there and that's going to be able to back it up with some thumping. I, I get all that. Yeah. For a one-year, $5 million deal... I mean, if we're simply talking about a guy who's coming in, and the way I'm looking at it is he's probably coming in to mentor Jason Cabinda for a season. And if that's the idea and trying to help out that guy there to kind of solidify his spot or maybe work with um, Markel Lee a little bit and really kind of help those two guys, then fine. But if I'm going to be honest, the less perfect I see on the field, the happier I'm going to be. Yeah, I, I was right there with you. I did not, uh, as soon as he was cut by the Bengals, I talked about it a little bit last night, I did not endorse the move whatsoever, but I did have that gut feeling that as soon as it happened, I'm like, gosh dang it, man, the Raiders, I'm sure, are going to be talking to this guy. Uh, but to me, the, the number one argument that came back was, well, what happens if we sign him to a vet minimum? What's the worst that could happen? Well, here we are with a $5 million one-year contract. Now what? You know, it's a little bit different story. I don't know that we necessarily had all the rights and reasons to sign him to a big contract like that. But just like you said, there's a, there's a lot of folks that like that we finally have a gritty, you know, kind of set the tone linebacker. But I have the same concerns as you do. Um, leaning in there, those hel- those helmet hits, not a big fan. Those late tackle uh, leg twists. Uh, there's definitely cases to say that he's a dirty player, but. I'm sitting here as a Raider fan saying, well, he's a Raider now. i got to kind of support him. But I'm with you. I didn't endorse it from the beginning. If he's played a role and he serves the role well and he does the mentor side of it, then I guess it's worth it. Okay. I mean, just we're going to put it bluntly. Like, if it's if that's all it is, then fine. Right. I mean, and also, too, you know, obviously there are negatives. You know, the – I didn't even know, honestly, when he was cut and I was thinking about, you know, perfect as a fit. You know, I originally thought like, well, you know, I was one of the ones that was more positive about it, but I still was preferring like a Zach Brown type player. But yeah. I was like, if perfect is is, you know, uh, an option here, I was worried about his concussions, first and foremost. Like, is he even still able to play? Should he continue to play? Obviously, he passed his physical and they're OK about it uh, enough. Um and then, you know, the positive part to me was the connection with Gunther. You know, like we were talking about on the Periscope last night, you know, when the Raiders.com film crew did their, you know, interviews with them, like 
Paul Gunther with his after his mother, he called Paul Gunther after he was cut. <laughs> and obviously they have a close relationship. He does know the defense inside and out. Um, some of his really good years as a football player, which there is no doubt about it. Although there were issues, Fontes Perfect is a good player. And uh, he's proven that he can be effective in Gunther's defense. Is he the same athletically that he was a few years ago? No. Um, but I do think that there is an outcome here where this could be positive, like Rory touched on. He can help this defense. Uh, these players on this defense know that defense, you know, Gunther's scheme on another level. And maybe he has some tread left, some juice, some regeneration from going to another team and getting a wake-up call. And then obviously, hopefully after next year, that trickles down to Kabinda Lee, how to play the linebacker position at a high level in Gunther's scheme. That's what's key here. Now we have a slight, he's taken a slight position change, right? He was kind of playing more primarily weak side linebacker, kind of like a, like a Tahir Whitehead, right? Will. Yep. And now he's switching over to Mike for the most part is what's rumored. Rory, how do you see that fit? And how do you see him working out in Gunther's defense as if he was starting Mike or coaching Cabinda? Are you, are you hopeful on that? Yeah, well, he's always been a will. That's always been his spot. But last year, they had brought in Brown. Uh, the Bengals did. Uh, they brought in Brown, and he got injured, I don't know, week four, week six, something like that. So they started moving Vontez inside to play the mic. The thing about that defense for Gunther, the linebacker spots are kind of interchangeable. It's not like Ken Norton Jr., where – the Sam linebacker is a very specific skill set because he's always lining up over a tight end. Those three linebackers can kind of interchange a little bit, and they don't even necessarily define Will and Sam as much as they would just call it like a left outside linebacker and a right outside linebacker. So okay. they can kind of blend and be a little bit interchangeable, and it's not that big of a deal. So I don't think a position move to a mic for this particular defense is going to mean that much. Could there be a little bit of a a little bit of a learning curve, maybe? But the principles are all the same. I I don't I don't see it. And realistically, with this defense, he's probably only a two down linebacker. And you're real if you're in a nickel position where it's all pass defense, they're probably going to go with Whitehead and Morrow. Yeah. And then he like they're going to be in nickel probably seventy percent of the time. That's Gunther's mo. He's usually leading the NFL in the amount of nickel he plays. So he'll probably come out and if like a run defending nickel would look like probably Whitehead and Perfect and or Markel Lee or or Markel Lee. Uh, and then your pass combo was Whitehead and Morrow. And then if you got to go to base, then you just put Perfect in the middle lead to his outside on the tight end side, and there you go. So, yeah, I don't think it's that big of a deal, to be honest. I like that breakdown. It makes a lot of sense. But now we had another shakeup this week with another free agent that we added, uh, Nevin Lawson from the Lions. Um, I kind of have a slight opinion on him. I'll make it as short and sweet as possible. I kind of feel like he was the Lions' uh, DJ Hayden of some sorts. Uh, but I see him kind of <laughs> competing more with maybe like a, like a Daryl Worley for the CB2 position. Uh, Rory, how do, you, how do you see Nevin Lawson coming in here and maybe shaking up our, our corners? I think he's your backup nickelback. Okay. So I've got a backup joiner in the slot. 
and you move Nick Nelson to the outside to compete with Daryl Worley opposite of Gary on Conley. Okay. So you basically have got Joyner and Nevin Lawson right there in your slot spot. And if one goes down, you have a guy with a similar skill set, maybe not quite the tackler the Joyner is, but similar skill set that can play the slot and do some of the same stuff. And then Nick Nelson and Daryl Worley can duke it out on that outside cornerback uh, spot. Because Nick, I don't think Nick Nelson really took to the slot like other like I thought he would. Same. Um, he was always an outside cornerback anyways. Just, you know, more of a short zone type guy. So he might do well on that opposite spot, kind of where Daryl Worley is, because the way they play that play that position is a little more uh, not as much like man defense there, where Gary Conley gets a lot of man opportunity. I can understand where you're coming from there, um, and I do agree with the Nick Nelson thing. I think he does. You know, Nick Nelson does get a shot, get a crack at competing for that opposite Conley spot. But in regards to Nevin Lawson, he actually played much more outside than he did inside in Detroit. And you know, I won't say that he played poorly inside, but I think that Lawson is going to have a chance as well uh, to compete with Worley. Um, I wouldn't just kind of pin his, him as the you know joiner backup or a competition in the nickel. I, I think Lawson as well as uh, Nick Nelson will get a crack at competing for the outside starting position. It's what he's playing, playing uh, played mostly um, you know, outside, and he's made some plays, obviously, you know, Detroit uh, cut ties with him, but I think Lawson is more of an outside corner personally, and not that he can't play inside, but I think Worley and Nick Nelson and Nevin Lawson are going to battle it out for the CB2 outside. Yeah, hopefully a little change of pace helps him out a little bit. Because like I said, some of the stuff that I read from Detroit's media kind of seemed like he was that corner that was right there, but it just wasn't quite enough for uh, Nevin Lawson to make the play. But we also had one other shakeup Slightly in the secondary, of course, uh, we already talked about LaMarcus Joyner sliding in there. Um, I think all three of us are on the same page. He's most likely going to be slipping in there in the nickel, um, playing slot corner quite a bit. But we added uh, one of my old Fresno State guys, former Giant safety, Curtis Riley, old booby sliding in there, uh, big hitter. Rory, how do you see him carving out a role uh, in our secondary? He looks like a strict beat free safety type to me uh just absolutely god awful numbers when it comes to tackling in the open field <laughs> you know not a big pff guy but they recorded like 23 missed tackles or something which is just god awful yeah um did have four picks as a starter uh the giants really like you know having a single high free safety and bringing landon collins down so i would imagine that if you're just looking at a guy who could come in uh, and, and play a very specific position when it's needed or as a backup, then you do it. I think the, the nice thing about what you have in Joseph and Harris is in some ways they're a little bit interchangeable because they can both hit and tackle fairly well. So, you know, there's, there's a thinking if you're going to bring one down for run support, you can do either or. Whereas if you, with this particular situation, if he's back there as the, free safety you're really not going to bring him down you know you're not going to bring him to the box yeah, yeah. you're going to right. so, limit the defense a little bit but i think overall you know you're getting a guy in his 20s uh you know four years of experience and has been a starter in this league probably has special teams experience it's a good ad 
I'm with Rory. I think he. it's a great point. I think Curtis Riley is more of a free. Uh, he plays some nice center field. I know, obviously, the missed tackles, but, you know, you see some of his plays that he made, you know, in coverage, you know, at the point of attack with the football, uh, not just the four picks, but just getting involved and not allowing too big of plays over his head. Uh, you know, that part is encouraging. Obviously, we saw a ton of Reggie Nelson, you know, giving up plays over his head. So, And then Curtis Riley, I mean, look, at the more realistic way to look at it is that He's a depth player, as Rory alluded to, special teams, and he can be a spot starter if we're a little banged up. And he started 16 games last year, so it's not going to be a deer in the headlights situation. Who you know he doesn't know how to come in and start, and it's too big for him. You know he can play, he can play the game and, and hold his own enough to start an entire season. And he can obviously make some plays. So I like the signing. It's not you know, I, I assume it's probably for around two million dollars. I don't think the numbers come out for Riley yet, but. I like the competition they're they're adding, and I feel like it's just going to make training camp all the more interesting in the secondary. I feel like it's more loaded than it's been in quite some time. I'm not going to argue with you guys one bit. I love seeing a former Bulldog coming in to the silver and black, uh, <laughs> ready to compete for a starting spot. So That was the number one thing for you. You're like <laughs> Fresno State. Yes, good oh, signing. State, great signing, man. I'm not going to argue it whatsoever. <laughs> He's on health. That's what you're gonna just fire Raiders helmet, just put a green V on the back. <laughs> yeah, we just need that varsity <laughs> sticker on the back, man. We're good to go. But I tell you, uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and take those statements. I'm just gonna copy and paste it. Uh, I got my stamp of approval right there. Um, and then we're gonna switch back over real quick to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, we kicked it off already early in this discussion, Rory, talking about offensive line, talking about tackles, Trent Brown, Colton Miller, um, and just like you kind of already mentioned. Our shakeup on the inside that wasn't necessarily expected. Um, Osimile, Kalechi Osimile, kind of being a cap casualty. <clears throat> I, I told you so. No, I don't, <laughs> don't want to bring that up, but uh, Osimile getting <laughs> out. <you> did. <laughs> <laughs> Osimile out, man. Uh, Feliciano, which was a guy I was hoping that we would at least retain. If so, he's out. So we're getting left with Denzel Good um, and Gabe Jackson. Where Jordan do you Debbie s- as well. And Jordan Devy now getting in the mix as a, as a, either a backup or competing, I'd say, with uh, Denzel Good. Uh, where do you guys see this offensive line, at least interior-wise, shaking up? I am deathly afraid of what's going on right now at the guard spot. So, KO mo- being moved on, I don't think it was a cat move. And this was kind of always my point with KO. The idea of moving KO, the prop. It made sense to move him if you're moving him for a schematic purpose, which is exactly why I think they moved him. Because okay. if you really, here's the weird part: this team is very, very consistent about having positional profiles yeah. that are easily repeatable, and Ko sticks out like a sore thumb. If you think about what they seem to like in Gabe Jackson, they, they're nothing alike. The, the heights are different. The arm lengths are different. Weights are, it's all different, right? And then if you go back and look at how Cable has, how Seattle drafted guards, the profiles he went with, they're a lot like Gabe Jackson. You'll find similar guards in the past when guys they've got specifically for guards, not times they've had to supplement and move a tackle inside. I mean, guys they brought in to play guard have had similar skill sets and build to Gabe Jackson. So this team is very, very consistent about having physical profiles 
that players meet. So I think that was why KO went. The salary cap part is just a bonus. Um, now, Devi, I think, is a backup center. I don't necessarily think you're going to see him much a guard. The loss of Feliciano, the problem was he could play all three inside spots. So now that he's gone, you did have to bring in someone who could be a backup center. I think yeah. that's Devi. Uh, Denzel Good, and it's a starting right guard, scares me to death. And I don't think he's very talented. I thought he played very poorly when he came in. I do not see anything in him as a player. Uh, I don't see a future with him. There is a free agent out there I think they could look into, Jeff Allen uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs. He was drafted four years ago. Uh, Very good pass blocker, not a very good run blocker. Uh, Similar build to Gabe Jackson, although a little bit smaller in terms of the weight. Uh, Mike Mayock was a big fan of his when he was drafted in the second round by the Chiefs. Uh, talked him up pretty good. Thought he was going to be an immediate starter at left guard uh, over Ryan Lilja at the moment. And then they drafted Duvernier, what's his face, from Canada, the doctor guy. And all of a sudden, you know, split in and took that starting job. So I think, you know, you have the potential of adding him in free agency still. And it could be a guy who could come in and start for you. And at least you would have a very good a very good, overly consistent starting five. If they don't add him, I would say guard becomes an immediate draft need and would definitely be a round one potential pick. Um, I mean, there would be a lot of targets who would fit that particular bill in round one, and I would assume that they would absolutely address it because if you have one hole in the offensive line, your whole line is toast. You know, you, you give one weak spot and they're going to exploit the crap out of it. And then yeah. they're going to blow you up when you try to compensate. So uh, that's the question. Are they going to add a guy like Jeff Allen who would give them five veteran offensive linemen who are all fairly competent to very good? Or do they wait to the draft and dress it there? I'm with Rory. I think it's a serious concern. Um, obviously, there's some, you know, areas uh, as well throughout the roster that are still a little concerning that we haven't filled. But the guard position is a worry, and you know you look at the competition right there. I feel like we have a bunch of depth players, but we don't have a real starter to take over. Obviously, we're talking about Gabe moving to left guard, and the right guard position is open. And I get worried about. Sure, it becomes a big need. You know, possibly. You know, <laughs> Rory and I will get into Cody Ford and all the draft targets that we could <laughs> talk about here really shortly. But uh, I would like them to address it via free agency. So we don't have to go into the draft and take a guy and then depend on the rookie to take it. I, I would like them to address the, the, the position in free agency, have it handled. And then if you go in the draft, the right value is there. You get your guy, you let them compete. And if the rookie wins it, so be it. But I kind of would like a really crucial hole like that handled pre-draft. And uh, obviously the suggestion Rory laid out was pretty good. I'm not sure about any other options out there that are quite a fit, but I think Allen would work for sure. So am I missing something here? Do you guys have a slight disagreement on maybe bringing in a guy like Cody Ford? Or, or, or what's the issue here? What's the issue? Is, Do I got to open up the book? It's not a disagreement on um, whether we should bring in Cody Ford. It was that originally I, I was really high on Cody Ford, and, and you know I think Rory was too. I thought Cody Ford was not only an interior offensive lineman target, but I thought that he was someone that could be a really good starting spot starting right tackle in this league. 
Okay. So Rory and I went back and forth about whether he would be a fit with the Raiders at right tackle. Obviously, this was pre-giving Trent Brown the greatest offensive tackle contract in NFL history. But we talked about how Cody Ford didn't fit the physical profile of a right tackle. That was uh, Rory's point. And I basically said, well, screw that. I, I think Cody <laughs> Ford would be an excellent starting right tackle who could protect our quarterback, so I'm fine with it either way. So that's where the inside joke comes from. Rory, I'll let you uh, chime in on it. Yeah, and I'll even – so lots of times when I talk about – because I I've, I really go back to the physical profiles a lot with this team because it's very consistent. When right. you really – they've done – I first really started noticing it on defense when you compare what Paul Gunther was looking for defensively last year and what they started to do and what they had done in the past with the Bengals. And you started seeing tons and tons of similarities on what they were doing. And a lot of things start making sense at that point. And then they would just, like, when you go and you do the research on Colton Miller and Brandon Parker, they were both over six foot eight. They both had over 34-inch arms. They both were top uh, scores in, what, broad jump? There's three of them. It's like broad jump. Uh, three cone and something else, but they were there's like three of them where they were always top three, I think, something like that. I, I Chris, I saw I threw it all in the DM with Chris, so he probably he went back on Twitter, he'd find it all. And, you know, uh, but the point was, you look at a guy like Cody Ford, and if we were talking about like Hugh Jackson's offense, sure, you could put him as a power blocking right tackle that was a mauler and a traditional right-handed offense that would just carve holes or you know between the tackle and tight end sure i'm all for it like it makes total sense to me in this offense a guy who's six foot four with 34 inch arms 330 something pounds uh and with his physical profile he sounds like gabe jackson i think he's a guard you know for this team he's a spitting image he's slightly taller version of gabe jackson and if you just look at the profile side of it, and, you know, I don't think he necessarily has the foot speed to be on an island quite the way this offense operates. Um, so, yeah, but, I, I mean, if they took him at 24 or 27 and said, hey, this is our new starting right guard, I'd be like, there's your starter. That'd be money. Of, and it wouldn't even be – I wouldn't even second guess it. I'd be like, there's your starting right guard, and it's not even, not even a question to me. Uh, okay. He's that good. But so it's nothing about the talent of the player. I just don't buy him as a as a tackle for this offense. Um, and yeah, it's, it's it's like I said, the profiles are everything. When you start when you really dig in with this team and you start looking at size, speed, athletic profiles, the way they're built. Um, like even going back to a Nevin Lawson type, talking about a guy who's five foot nine, hundred eighty something pounds, very very similar to Joiner. So you start seeing these a lot of consistencies about what this team does, and it starts to become just a little predictable. But well, it's predictable. The only real out, the only real outlier that I'll say so far that's still on this team is Carl Joseph. He's the only one. Everyone yeah. else is pretty consistent about the physical profiles. Yeah, no, and you make a really good point. Obviously, you know when you look at the physical profile and then how much of an athlete uh, Colton Miller and Brandon Parker are. I mean, there was no doubt coming out last year, uh, you know, obviously with Colton Miller's combine, not only did he check the physical boxes, but he's such an impressive athlete. And then Brandon Parker as well kind of filled those, uh, check those boxes. It makes sense. And what Rory's saying uh, 
Um, you know, it's it's definitely the more consistent as to what the Raiders have been looking for. Simply, what it was was I just looked at Cody Ford's tape and I, I fell in love with the player and I saw the ability, uh, the underrated quick feet, the ability to you know use his hands, extend his arms well to keep the defensive ends like you know out of his chest and all that. And I just really liked the player. So maybe it was a round hole fitting in a square peg for me. Uh, but, you know, I just like Cody Ford, the player, a lot, whether it's interior offensive line or right tackle. But Rory's right in terms of the fit with what the Raiders brass is looking for. Uh, you know, and, and you look at the history with the Raiders, it does make sense that Cody Ford would be more of an interior offensive lineman, which now that we've signed Trent Brown, we have Colton Miller, we have Brandon yeah. Parker as a swing tackle. I am now all aboard the interior offensive yeah. line right guard drafting. Yeah. So. It wasn't like I didn't see him as an interior offensive lineman. It was that, the to me at the time, pre-free agency, I was worried about the need. Like, yeah. oh, well, I like him a lot, so let's just get him for that. But at this point, the big need is right guard, as we're discussing. And Cody Ford has got to be a, a player that if he's there at 24, which I have a hard time thinking that he's going to get past a team like Minnesota who needs an interior, who needs a guard yeah, that Cody Ford would fit. Uh, so, but if he does get to 24, I think the Raiders are going to have to seriously consider him or maybe dips to 27. We'll see. That's what I was going to say, man. No, no doubt. That's what I take from it. Cody Ford should, should easily be the Raiders top target whenever we get into 24 and 27. If he does for some reason get to that point. And for me personally, I, I've said it before, even Dalton Risner is my second best choice. He was another guy that was kind of in a similar situation. Could play inside. Said he was more comfortable or most comfortable at right tackle but uh he's an animal man he's a dog i'd love to be able to get him in there on the inside of right right guard and let him go to work but uh rolling off of that we've made a lot of moves rory um and i'd say the last question that i have um, i'm gonna kind of let you run with it wherever you want um but i see you as a very educated person whenever it comes to our cap situation um, are there any concerns at this point on what we did so far this off season or is there anything uh, that you're excited about how do you feel so far about this this offseason, what we did with what we had to work with? Before I answer that, I will say one of my draft crushes is Chris Lindstrom from BC, Boston Ooh. College. Yes, sir. And another guy who's 24, 27, even 35, would be a killer right guard, Chris Lindstrom. Very, He's lighter than Cody Ford, but other than that, similar physical profiles, just good fit. Um Noted. I just want to say I'm with him because he's my number two interior offensive lineman target. So, there we Rory, go. we're on the same page, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and we won't. I we promise we won't get into Montgomery at all at the running back spot. Otherwise, Cody's oh come on, go. man, don't be hitting on my David Montgomery. He's oh man. <laughs> Montgomery and Sanders. Montgomery and Sanders are my two running back crushes. So don't you be squashing or popping my balloons here, bro. <laughs> I'm not squashing. Uh, I'm not going there. <laughs> uh, running back's a weird one. But getting to the, the Caps part, uh, overall, Raiders right now, are pro they should be sitting right around the $26 million mark. So we haven't really gotten exact numbers on the structure for perfect, uh, nor the uh, really the backup safety. So if you go off the reported numbers of $5 million, perfect, and you go off, I think the reported number really was about two million. That puts the Raiders down at about twenty-six. The key here is if you look at the twenty twenty, 
the Raiders are still at 57 million. I got them at 64 right now, actually, on over the cap. Yeah, I'm doing the math. Quite a lot, yeah. Minus the contract. But those are both one-year deals. That won't affect it. So good point. 64. Um, And then you pop over to 2021. They've only got $96.5 million in money on the cap. 2022, they only have $66 million. Here's the key people have to remember about why the Raiders could do what they did this year and it not having a lot of long-term ramifications. There's two reasons. Reason one, last season, if you really compare the contracts they threw out, they were essentially cash neutral. And there's a big difference between the cap and cash. The cap is what you have that's allocated to each team through the revenue sharing of the NFL. That's primarily through the income from the TV deals. Cash is what your owner has in his pocket. And the cash is important because of signing bonuses. And your ability to pay big signing bonuses allows you to have huge flexibility in years one and two of contracts. By paying out large signing bonuses, you're able to prorate and it makes your year one cap hit very, very small. That's how the Raiders can get so many of these big contracts. And you're only looking at it saying, well, they started the year at $70 million in cap space. They're only... You know, at somewhere between 33 and 26, when you add in those other two contracts, like how do they do it? Well, that's how they did it. Now, last year they had a bunch of one-year deals with minimal, uh, minimal cash flow changes. Yada yada. A lot of it was just cash to cap. The reason was is because they were holding out hope to get Cleo Mack done. As soon as that didn't happen, they had no place to go spend their cash. So by the time the year ended, it's like they didn't spend any cash. So now it's they basically have two years worth of cash flow that they can go spend this year. So that's what they did. Now, and on top of that, the fact that they don't have any young players that are due for an extension anytime soon of note, and that's considerable. You basically have Carl Joseph, who's in year four, and next year is going to be on a fifth-year option if they pick it up by May 3rd. You yeah. have Gary on Conley, who's in year three, which means you have year four and then a fifth-year option. Mm-hmm. By the time Gary on Conley's ready for his fifth-year option, Fred Brown's contract basically zero dead hit to the cap. Yeah. So they went and threw out essentially a bunch of two-year deals with options in year three and four. They gave them big cash that they had to throw around because they had it left over from last year. They have no long-term cap ramifications. And it won't stop them from signing any of your young players who they picked up in last year's draft when they want to. So as far as I'm concerned, they did a hell of a job. There's no other way to look at it. Now, teams, people can come out and your media can come out and land base the Raiders and say, this is what bad teams do. They spend big in free agency. Frankly, sure, that is what bad teams do. And that's what teams have done when they don't have young players that they're constantly needing to re-sign. That went out the window the moment they traded Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. So why the hell not? You know, you've put yourself in this position. You may as well do it, and you may as well go all in. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. This is just, you know, say regardless of opinion on Khalil Mack or Amari Cooper, it's irrelevant, the personal opinion on it. It was, it's done. How are you going to recover from it? What are you going to do? Well, then they came out and 
plan was going to be, we're going to go heavy on offensive free agency, we're going to build a juggernaut, we're going to get <laughs> and we're going to stick a bunch of young kids on defense, and we're going to try to generate something, because Paul Gunther is really good with working with young guys. Good. Go for it. And they have a plan, they attacked it, and they did it brilliantly. And they came out with a hell of a haul from free agency, so... I think every Raider fan should look at it and go, damn good job. You know, I mean, it's very, right. it was very well done all around. No, you're, Roar, you're so right. I mean, you look at, you know, when you check out the contract situations, you look at previous to the 2021 season and you look at the Raiders' high contracts. You look at Trent Brown, Tyrell Williams, LaMarcus Joyner, Gabe Jackson. Those guys are four of the, most highest paid players on the Raiders roster currently, they can all be let go with no dead money previous to the 2021 season. That is flexibility in, in with players that are pretty high end and that are making quite a bit of money. So it's really good to know that they have that flexibility. If, if a player isn't living up to it, they can cut ties. Then it's not going to harm them in the future from there. And Roy makes a great point about, you know, they, they didn't pay the, massive amount to Khalil Mack that they were probably planning on and that they were saving for and that, that budgeting for. So why not utilize that and, and uh, you know, that, that extra money they have to go out and get these big time free agents to help this football team, which is, was talent deficient. And then, you know, obviously, I mean, you look at this football team moving forward, uh, you know, with, with the cap space this year, regarding the 26 million you were talking to, I went on over the cap, which is by the way, everyone, the best, uh, contract website there is uh, Jason who runs it is fantastic but I, I plugged in Nevin Lawson's uh, 3.05 million Burfix 5 million Glennon's 2 million I know he can make up to 4 but most likely that extra 2 million is unlikely to be earned bonuses so it's probably only going to hit their cap 2 million and then I threw in uh, for Debbie and Riley just to be safe I threw out 2, two million each for those guys it might be a little less that puts the Raiders cap room at about 22 million. And if you look at about a net from the draft of about 12 million, that's going to be utilized. Um, they'll spend more than that, but the net from the cap will be about 12 million. So they probably have about 10 million to spend right now via free agency, maybe a hair more. Uh, but you know, I do believe that they're going to probably make another cut or two to save some money and, and bring in a couple more guys. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited about what they've done. And I, I'm still excited about maybe who they can add here to kind of clean this up pre-draft. That way they can just tee off and get best player available coming up in late April. Yeah, so given what? that number, Rory, with 30 days left before the draft, is there one free agent that you have your eye on that you want the Raiders to target in the next couple of weeks? Uh, Jeff Allen would be the guy. Okay. Uh, I would put money on the veteran guard than I would in Zeke Alonza just because this draft is so loaded at defensive end. I would double, triple down on defensive end of this draft and just have at it. Um, people are going, well, we need a veteran. No, nonsense. Crap. Don't. <laughs> uh, that person, he's going, ooh, that's me on Twitter, everybody Same. that he's uh, <laughs> referring to. <laughs> I'm the guy who wants to get someone notable at uh, DN so we can at least you know, have someone uh, of experience as a sack artist pre-draft, but but Rory disagrees. So let's respect his opinion, Rory. Keep, keep on going, man. <laughs> Come on, Twitter. Nobody respects opinion. Um, <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, but no, I would say just don't just don't bother. You know, just hit it hard in the draft, and just you, you're basically gonna ro- you're, you're gonna roll the hard snake eyes on this one and just deal with it. Um, 
you're going to get more bang for your buck adding in a four-year vet at the guard spot with an already very veteran offensive line than you ever will adding a 30-year-old at defensive end with injury problems. So I would say Jeff Allen's the way to go. It alleviates the whole guard going into the draft so you don't have to worry about it, uh, and you move on. Uh, Now, the interesting thing is, as I mentioned earlier with signing bonuses, if you did go after Jeff Allen, and you offered him a contract like three years, eighteen million. If you give him, you know, half of it guaranteed in a signing bonus, well, you might only have a one million dollar cap hit in year one, because I mean he's going to get nine million dollars the moment he signs that contract. So, depending on how my point doesn't mean they have to do it that way. I'm just saying they can. Um, and of course, the way it prorates, yada yada yada. But point is, you could get a guy in and get him in on a relatively cheap number for year one and then just go right into the draft and go from there and draft picks will take up $10, $12 million and you're rolling. And you might even roll over you know, $8 million in the next season. So that's where I would go personally. Uh, I, I think at some point with what they've done, you just go all in on it and <laughs> screw balancing it out to figure the rest of it out later. The one nice thing is if you have an offense who can get a lead and you can have a lead by maybe 10 or 14 points going into quarter three, quarter four, it makes defensive end, experienced or not, their lives much easier when they don't have to worry about a run game. You know what? First off, I would just want to say, Ziggy Ansah, if you're listening to this episode, do not listen to this guy. We want you in the silver black. Hey, not even Ziggy though, right? I mean, I would I would settle at this point for Aaron Lynch, who's twenty six. I mean, I, I'm I'm okay with that at this point pre draft. I mean, hey. I just don't want to go in there with Morrow and Arden Key and like, okay, we got to draft about six uh, edge guys to fill out the right. roster. That's all I'm saying. But if we did do it, I would be okay as long as we fulfill it. You know what I mean? I don't want to I don't want to go into the draft also and we just leave with two hopeful Ziggy pass rushers. Is the answer. Ziggy's the answer. Listen to us, Rory. We're trying to tell you. Aaron Lynch could well, be the semi-answer, too. <laughs> there, is, you know, there is a real chance, you know, right before, you know, in the next week or two, that they could get a guy like an Aaron Lynch. Uh, I'm not sure if Chicarillo has um, signed yet, but, I mean, there are guys who are in that, you know, mid-20s who you know, maybe get you two to four sacks a season kind of thing. Those guys are around, and you're going to eventually be able to get them for, you know, one year, two million, something like that. I guess the point I'm making is I'm I'm not thinking of – I'm not going to put him, a guy like Aaron Lynch, in the same face as Ezekiel Anza because Ezekiel Anza is looking for six to eight million dollars a season, and he's going to want three or four years. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for one last payday. So it's a different – there are different situations. I wouldn't put them in the same stratosphere. You know, they're not really comparable. So, I mean, if you're talking about just waiting to the last minute and getting a guy for not much, that guy's always going to be there. Uh, there's always going to be someone. But if you're talking about someone who could potentially come in and be, you know, labeled as a serious starter, the only real defensive end out there who could do that would be Ezekiel Lanza. And if it's, you're going to ask me, would I rather spend money on him or Jeff Allen at guard? I would pick Jeff Allen at guard. Okay. Yeah. That's I fair. That. That's fair. I, I, I guess with Ziggy, with the injury concerns that he has, and obviously the fact that it's taken this long to, 
you know, he hasn't, I think he's taken one meeting. Uh, I guess what I was kind of hoping with him was that he, his agent and, and the, the money that was floating out there for him wasn't there, that he'd be willing to take some sort of one year prove it deal from a team that's really starving of a pass rusher. That was just my hope. Obviously, when you talk about a three year, four year deal, I don't think that's happening with the Raiders. So that that's definitely not in my mind uh, whatsoever. But again, I, I really am on a guy like Aaron Lynch. I mean, obviously, there's still some other guys out there that that have some pass rush ability, some veterans, too, that could be had, had for cheap. Uh, it, it should be interesting to see how it pans out here. Um, obviously, Rory, we uh, didn't get our guy, Georgia Loca. He signed, uh, you know, with uh, Dallas, uh, our safety, but. Uh, I will say, though, you know, in terms of our secondary, it's better than it's been in quite some time. So I can't be too upset with that. Yeah, I'm liking the way the secondary's hashed itself out. The big question is going to be, are the Raiders serious about their about how much they like Carl Joseph? Or is it nonsense and he ends up getting dealt and they take a safety early? Uh, that's hard to tell. I don't know. Like, like Adderley? I'd be down for Adderley. If, uh, unless you're going to pop that bubble, too. The best safety in the class. I don't think Adderley would be. I think Adderley makes a lot of sense if you're looking for another slot guy. But Adderley isn't. If if we were in Carl Ken Norton Jr.'s offense, I would love him as a deep free safety all the time. But I don't really think he's a guy that thumps. I have a I have a lot of questions. His athletic profile did not come out well. Like his pro day was very mediocre um, on his numbers. You're, right, so you're talking you're right. about a guy who played D2 ball, doesn't have a great athletic profile. I mean, he screams Pierre Desir to me. And if we'll remember the draft Twitter four or five years ago, Pierre Desir, he was this guy who came out of nowhere and everyone loved him. It's like, oh, my God, he's going to be a first-round pick. And you've never heard of him. Draft Twitter loves him. And then he falls to like the fourth round and becomes a long-term project. And the Browns didn't even want him, and now he's for the Colts. So I like Adderley. I have a lot of questions about Adderley. But if you you know put out someone like Rap or Thornhill, Chauncey Gardner Johnson from Florida, I mean, there's probably seven or ten guys in this draft that you could draft upwards of round four who could probably come in and start day one because there's that many talented safeties in this draft class. So, I mean, I could totally see them on draft day moving Carl Joseph and then drafting a safety like in round two or three, and that guy come in and start right away. Yeah. Um, weird, but I could see him do it. Yeah, I yeah, could I go can't... on for twenty minutes about how Adderley can do it all, but I don't know if we have <laughs> time. And I've done that before on the podcast yeah. anyway, so yeah. <laughs> I'll save Cody the the time here. But I will, I will, I will agree that uh, it seems like our, our safety draft class is kind of falling a little bit. Uh, it seems like kind of all around, not just uh, Adderley. I did notice his pro day numbers. He was struggling a little bit, but even then, even uh, Deontay Thompson, he's kind of he's kind of grown silent a little bit. Interesting to see where these guys. I wouldn't be surprised if a safety doesn't get drafted till almost the second round. Um, it could be interesting to see draft day, man. It can't come soon enough. Rory, uh, we had a great conversation. I loved every bit of it. I loved you and Chris. Your disagreements, they're very educated, and I love it. I I like it because I kind of. I semi-agree with both of you through the whole thing. So uh, very educated, very good stuff. Hope the listeners definitely enjoyed it. Um, but like I said, Rory, thank you for taking the time tonight, chopping it up with us on the podcast. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for a few weeks now. Um, but for anyone here, any of our listeners that for some unfortunate reason 
If they don't already follow you, how can they find you on Twitter, man? As always, at Holistic underscore Pickle on the Twitter, uh, on the Twitter machine. Uh, I do all of my damage on Twitter. Um, I Sources also can on, confirm I, that. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Um, I uh, do write for the Raider Ramble. Yeah. Uh, I put up one article a week is usually my thing. Um, we have a lot of scheduled stuff. Uh, Cody knows this because I'm not sure if you've you mentioned on the podcast or not. Uh, but a lot of scheduled stuff going through the off season. People yeah. are targets and going for it. So it's been a real good amount of information, amount of stuff that's come out on the ramble uh, through the off season. So I just did um, top five draft tight ends, uh, a couple of sleepers that a lot of people probably don't know of. who I think uh, they might want to get their eyeballs on and check out. Uh, and then I, I can't remember what I'm doing next week. I'll have to check. Uh, but yeah, other than that, you know, holistic underscore pickle and uh, the Raider ramble. And that's where you'll find my stuff. Rory, man, I could talk to you for two hours. I think Cody's playing <laughs> up our disagreements. I think we disagreed on like two things, but man, it was so <laughs> great talking to you, man. And, uh, anyone out there listening, he is a must follow when his stuff comes out. Great articles, well thought out, very educated guy who knows the game of football. And, uh, you know, if you just want to be along for the, the occasional laugh too on Twitter, uh, holistic pickle is your guy. Rory, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate you. Hey, thanks for having me, and I'm digging what you guys are doing, and I always tell, no matter what podcast I go on, and there's you know a handful of them, I, I get the, you know, I'm blessed to be able to join, because uh, it really is um, quite humbling for people to actually want to listen to the crap I have to say. Uh, <laughs> but I always say that there's tons and tons of stuff out there in Raider Nation, a lot of smart guys, a lot of guys doing great stuff, you guys are one of them, and keep up producing the good content, and... Uh, you know, there should never be a Raider fan that's upset about where they can go for good information and good talk. So uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, guys. Hey, we appreciate that, Rory. You have yourself a good night, man. Thanks again. Take care, Take care man. Another cocktail. <laughs> ah, there you go, man. See you, brother. <laughs> Take care. And boom, there we go, Chris. We had uh, actually our first member, uh, as I'm a part of the Raider Ramble, that was our first guy that came on. I really respect complimentary football himself rory that was a good conversation what'd you think chris honestly it was so much fun talking football with him like i said earlier i we could go on and on for all night but had to cut it off uh really respect him though what he had to say um and i appreciate he's one of those guys where you know you disagree maybe initially but he makes you want to go back to the tape reassess your opinion you know and, and be better for it and that's that's how you get to know this game better and better. You talk to people who are really educated about it, and, and they help you along the way, and uh, Rory's one of those guys. So I'm really appreciative that we had him on, man. It was cool. Heck yeah. All right, Chris, let's take a minute to show some love to the supporters that help make this show happen. Raider Nation, make sure you check out Dan from DC4L Custom Tees. Dan's been with us since day one. He carries all the Raider Cody podcast gear, and not just our gear. He has his own line of custom Raider shirts. There's a hot topic going down in Raider's world. Guarantee you he's got a shirt that's dropping soon. My personal favorite is the Felonious Fan Shirt. It perfectly represents our fan base, and as Raiders fans, it's time we just rep it proud, man. 
Next, make sure you check out rnforlifer.com. That's Raider Nation for Lifer. He has a lot of custom little accessories that you normally wouldn't think about, so you have to visit his website. But he has custom pins, custom patches. I've seen custom shoes. And my favorite is he has a full-blown custom Raider Nation flag, and it's the real deal. It's not your typical Amazon flag. This thing is full-stitched, full-embroidered. That's a guy you definitely got to check out. You can find him on Instagram and Facebook, but go to his website. That's rn4lifer.com. And our newest supporter. Make sure you check out Made by Tony Perez. You can find him only on Instagram at Made by Tony Perez. He does custom metal artwork, CNC, plasma cut, aluminum signs. I mean, he does signs. I've seen trailer hitches. And if you feel like finding out more, feel free to call him. That's 209 756 1830. But if you have any questions on where to find these guys, go to RaiderCody.com and I have links to each one of their pages. Now let's quit messing around and let's get back to the show. All right, Chris, in a segment that we haven't had for a few weeks now, we've been kind of trying to revamp our phone call system, um, but we also had a lot of phone calls, I hate to say, that we weren't able to play. Uh, got a couple this week, but first, there is one from a couple weeks ago, a follow of ours, A-Train, I listened to it, and it sounded uh, sounded pretty relevant. He kind of He kind of had a hot take on the phone call. So I'm, I'm going to play this back for you guys. Ooh, okay. Let's hear it. Yo, what up? This is A-Train at Raider Lifer. Hey, man. Uh, let me yak you about A-B real quick. Dude's going to want some money. Dude could bring some drama to the locker room. Yeah, Gruden probably the only guy that can control that, you know what I mean? But Tyrell Williams, dog, a little less money, a little more low-key, still the threat we need, plus it frees up a little more money for some more fucking free agents and whatnot. I don't know, man. We need a lot of help. We need a lot of help. And... AB's one guy. Can one guy save the Raiders? I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yo, keep doing what you do. Go Raiders. Let me tell you something, A-Train. AB's just one player, but now we got Tyrell. We got both players, man. What you think about that, dude? I love this, man. I love this. Just what we wouldn't expect. We That just shows how much of a slam dunk the beginning of this offseason was, Chris. Gosh dang it. I love this stuff. I love it. Yeah, I mean, we definitely brought in more than just AB. One player can't do it all. But, man, we've, we're have we building quite a football team here, even pre-draft. So I think we're building a monster and in, in Gruden and Mayock's image. And it's going to be fun to see it all play out, man, for 2019. And, yeah, Chris, we got one more phone call. Let's take it. What's up, Raider Cody? This is Tommy from the Two on One, a fantasy football podcast. Oh yeah. My question is, who's running the rock for the Raiders next year? A lot of speculation in that position right now. Thanks and uh, shout out to Raider Nation. Yeah, Tommy. I think I'm supposed to be making an appearance on their podcast sometime mid-season. They're also supposed to be coming on ours. It's a little bit after, uh, I'd say about a month after the draft. 
Uh, they're strictly a fantasy football podcast, but they're all Raiders fans. So I'm definitely interested to hear. I'm sure we got a ton of listeners out there playing fantasy football. I know myself, I played like five leagues last year, so I'm excited to chop it up with them a little bit. But Chris, what do you think? Who's who's running the rock this year for the Raiders, man? That's a tough one uh, on the spot. I'm going to go ahead and go with either C.J. Anderson, pick him up on the cheap, or uh, I would say they draft a running back like maybe Miles Sanders. Ooh. Maybe an op- uh, you know one of those guys. I If I was to guess right now, which it hurts me to say, I don't think Marshawn Lynch is going to come back next year. Hey, just the hey, vibe I'm getting. Hey, hey. And I don't know if Doug Martin is going to be the RB1 going into next year. So I would say either C.J. Anderson or I'm going to guess Miles Sanders because I, I don't think that they're going to go for Jacobs in the first round. And I'm not sure uh, Montgomery is the type of running back that Gruden necessarily – is going to fall in love with, even though I really like him. So I'm going to guess Miles Sanders. That's just that's just me, man. I don't know. What about you? Well, I don't bring a Marshawn Lynch, man. I, I can't help but say I think he's going to be okay, the right back. Okay, how about aside but, from Marshawn okay, Lynch? Okay, outside Marshawn of Marshawn Lynch, Lynch, doesn't come back. We all hope he comes back and he's the starting running back. But I am glad aside that from you him. brought up Miles Sanders because he's kind of another one of those Penn State guys that just, man, he just has something about him whenever you watch him run. Shifty, but, man. When when is he going to be had in the draft? Is he a guy that maybe falls a little bit? It's tough. Uh, I mean, I could see him if they don't take care of the running back spots too well. Like, let's say they just re-signed Doug Martin, right? Yeah. And they just got they just you know stroll into the draft with uh, rostered Doug Martin and Jalen Richard and Chris Warren. I could see them. If they don't take a running back in the first round, taking one at number 35. And Miles Sanders makes sense. He's a really shifty back, really good catching the ball out of the backfield. He's lined up in the slot before at Penn State. I think he's a really versatile back that makes sense to me. And I think he can have an impact as a rookie. So it's just a guess at this point. It's really hard to say. But free agency, I say C.J. Anderson. And if they don't, via the draft, I say Miles Sanders is a guess. That's That's my... That's my take, man. I'm sticking to it. So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and second that because I really like the way Miles Sanders has been coming on for us. And actually, uh, our official partner here, Raiders Beat, I believe, uh, maybe still Ryan Five dropped an article. I'd say today or yesterday, sometime later this week, uh, had a pretty good article on 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 Miles Sanders. I, I read into that, and he he kind of got me a little bit more pumped up on him uh, in a, in a draft class where I don't see a whole lot of high-profile running backs coming out uh, value-wise. Miles Sanders uh, could be close to my top of my board whenever it comes nice. to running backs, man. Nice. Right. By the way, it's a really good point to bring up, Ryan. For people that, you know, via Raiders Beat, that really love draft content, Ryan is a really good option for that. Uh, you know, I really love some of the work he's done talking about some of the wide receivers and, you know, tight ends coming out he's really big on hawkinson he has some interesting reads via raiders beat i suggest you check it out yeah we're supposed to have ryan on here uh the week before the draft so uh be ready to hear from him himself looking forward to that yes sir yes sir so like we said we we got the phone calls fired back up again calling a question calling a quick opinion but make it short make it sweet 
Um, we don't want to sit here and listen to a five-minute phone call. we got a lot of content ourselves to get through. I am not scared to chop it up and make it shorter. But uh, like I said, call it in. Hit our hotline. It's a direct voicemail. Real easy. Just record yourself. That's 808-650-7220. Hit it up. We want to hear from you. We know we got a lot of listeners out there. So make yourself heard. Get yourself involved. Looking forward to it. But besides that, Chris, we got ourselves, uh, I think we got another angry king waiting behind the scenes ready to get on the phone, man. Oh, it's time for real talk with the king. Yeah. Hey, man. Pro football talk. If you're listening, you might want to tune out because it's about to get ugly. I'm telling you. Let's get the king on the phone. What's up, y'all? How y'all doing tonight? What's up, Kenny King? What's up, brother? Kenny King. What's going on, brother? Boy, I'm fired up right now, man. We got Vontez Perfect. Oh. I'm feeling good, boy. Oh, so you're you're extra excited about the Perfect signing, huh? Take us through it, bro. I'm going to tell you, that the Perfect the signing is perfect, bro. Because think about it. We got Vontez Perfect adding a little bit of attitude to that defense that hasn't had any attitude in, in I don't know how long. The last time we had a little bit of attitude, it was C.O. Moore dancing behind Alex Smith, almost losing the game for us. So oh. the fact the fact that we've got Burfick there, who, who yes, he, he is kind of a basket case, which I enjoy. <laughs> but he brings he brings that fire to the defense. He brings he brings that that pain and that passion that that if you're going to come across the middle, you're going to get punished. He's a dog, yeah. man. He is. He's a straight-up dog. And, yes, he's got 32,000 concussions. I, I'm well aware of that. So do, so do Bill Romanowski. So I'd rather take a basket case linebacker than a basket case punter. That's basically what we're getting, except this guy actually produces. So we're, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it, man. I'm rolling with it now. You know, I, I think I think it's good. You know, I think that, I think that like I said, it's going to bring attitude to the defense. Um, you know, you've got Perfect and, and Carl Joseph and, and Joyner back there who are going to punish people. And it's going to make it very hard for opposing teams to do the things that they want to do because they they know that they're not going to be able to run across the middle anymore. So, you know, Travis Kelsey's not going to be popping his mouth off. Uh, Tyreek Hill, uh, hopefully Burfick breaks his ass, breaks his arm. So, um, you know, let, 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 let's see what happens. But I'm excited. All right. There we go, man. But let me tell you something, Kenny. Uh, we got some – we got to get to real talk now, Kenny. I'm glad you're happy about Vontez Perfect, but there's something that's been bugging me here, and I'm surprised, just like we talked about in the group chat earlier this week, how in the heck has Pro Football Talk and Mike Florio, how has it taken them this long to get in this segment? Kenny, I think you owe them something. I think you owe them something. I'm sorry, you said Pro Football Talk. I think that you meant to say semi-pro Nerf football discussions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because he ain't talking about pro football, and if he is, it's a lot of it's a lot of plagiarized views. It's a lot of slanted views. It's um, it's definitely a biased view as well. Uh, Mike Florio has, has been successfully success, successfully putting out twelve years of false or plagiarized information. I mean, bravo, bravo. Hand in your credentials. Give me your check. Okay, Mike Cornholio Florio has been <laughs> continually continually pushing an anti-Raiders narrative. 
Yeah. The guy will take any chance that he can to bash the Raiders. Oh, we sign AB. Oh, they're bringing on the they're bringing on the basket case. Then Odell goes to Odell goes to the Browns, and it's the best signing in the world. And then speaking of that, let's go through that Pro Football Talk list. How does the AB How does the AB trade not even make that list? Dude, right? Dude, I mean, that was oh, man, that was so ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's not even just Florio either. He's like got some different writers that all have the same narrative. I mean, dude, it was so funny the the Ted Wynn thing, how a couple years ago when we signed Jared Cook, they had Lee Smith as the number one tight end on the depth chart on Raiders.com, and it had Jared Cook as number two. So Pro Football Talk made a post or wrote an article basically like they paid that much for a backup tight end. And then the Raider fans were like, no, 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 like Lee Smith's a blocking tight end. Jared Cook's going to be the receiving one. And they like defended it. And I'm like, they're... They said something smart back, like, no, that's really like convenient for you guys to say, but the fact is they paid this much for a backup tight end, obviously having no context to what they were saying. So Not Ted Wynn went back to find that and they had like deleted some of what they said and all that, dude. Like Oh, they it's just it does, there's no intelligence behind it whatsoever. And and I, I hate to just call out blue check mark, you know, and I know that's your thing, Kenny, but I'm comfortable saying, like I said on my Twitter, they are for the twelfth year in a row the worst Twitter account in the entire Twitterverse because nothing they have uh is of benefit. I can get truthful information from other people who don't just write a report in a negative way and spin it and take credit without giving it out. That's just my opinion, bro. No, I agree wholeheartedly on that. I think that, you know, you know, one of the things is you look at, you look at what they, you know, what they bring to the table. Yes. They've got 12 years. They've got 12 years history. They do put out some, some good articles. And I'm not going to say that they're absolute crap. Uh, I would just say they're probably about 10%, uh, 10% good. Um, But, but realistically, I mean, you, you look at the crap that they put out and it's like, how do you, how do you, as a journalist, put your name on that? How do you, how are you feeling comfortable putting, putting that kind of information out there, knowing that it's slanderous, it's, it's false information, um, it's misinformation. You, you've got people working for you that, that are basically minions and will do whatever you say and, and do whatever they can to push that narrative across. And, you know, you, you continuously putting this crap out there. And then for really for Vic, for Vic Taper to go in and, and actually call him out on it. Yeah, that's huge because, you know, Vic, Vic rolls with a lot of the punches and, 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 and doesn't really say much. And, you know, he'll he'll go back and forth with people, but he's not really calling people out. For, so the, for the fact that he called him out and blocked him, yeah. that's huge. That's yeah. huge. Because yeah. Vic has he even blocked, said that he, he blocked Ted Win too. Who blocks Ted Win, bro? Honestly, yeah, come on. Yeah, I Give mean, me a break, man. Yeah, he blocked two people. He blocked Ted Win and Florio. I mean, <laughs> Ted's like the nicest guy in the world. You're gonna block they're Ted Win. It's like me blocking block everyone that works for the Athletic, bro. They're just gonna block them all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man. It's getting to the point where pro football. I'm surprised that pro football talk even made it this far without getting on this segment. Because for how long, man, have they been dropping these stupid articles? I mean, for the most part, Raider Nation has been blowing them up themselves. Maybe that's why we've been giving them a, a free pass for this long. But, I mean, it's, it's to the point now to where I got them muted. I mean, I don't even, I don't even care to see their stuff. I'm, I'm over it, bro. I still I still look at it just so I can I can comment it. I was going on it before, uh, before I got on the call with you guys, and I was 
reading about Rashawn Melvin and how he feels like he cheated the he cheated the organization and he cheated the fans because he couldn't play his type of football. And you know, at the end of the day, if you if you play good football, you can play your type of football. You know, if you're if you're if you're a corner and you're locking people down, then you're playing your type of football. So obviously, he wasn't able to play this type of football because he can't lock people down. So, <laughs> I mean, let's yeah. let let's face the music, right? Like, yeah, you know, I either agree. your type of football is you're a good player and this is what you do, or you're not. Just like Bruce Irvin, Bruce Irvin's type of football is not getting sacks. Bruce Irvin <laughs> is being is being Batgirl to Batman and Robin. And he balls out when when he's got two dominant players by him with Khalil Mack and Justin Ellis. When he doesn't have that, he doesn't succeed. I agree. I agree. And Go yes, ahead. I did take another opportunity to knock Bourbon because it's just so much fun. It's so easy, bro. It's so easy. I mean, how can you not, man? But let me tell you something. If, if you saw, if you bumped into Mike Florio tomorrow, what's one thing you'd say to him, Kenny King? Oh, I actually, uh, I, what I would tell him, I'd say, you know what, Mike? The crap that you put out there is is absolute crap, and the fact that you put your name behind it and you're okay with it, it shows what kind of person you are. Um, I feel like you truly do not, you truly do not care or or care to to understand about the game of football and the fans of football, and you are really bastardizing the the journalism in the sport. But the fact that you want to go out there and do it, go ahead. Do you? You're the National Enquirer of Twitter and, and football. So congratulations. You're a tabloid. Uh, I hate to use this term, but you're fake news. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Bastardizing. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's uh, that, that, that wholeheartedly sums it up right there, man. That's and that. Uh, that's that good SAT score right there. That's a 1,200 SAT, baby. I like it, man. I like it. And, and for any listener out there. Uh, take note here, Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio, not safe, not approved by the Raider Cody podcast, and not approved on Real Talk, not safe on Real Talk. No one's safe on Real Talk. Yeah. <laughs> With that being Honestly, said, that's oh. the that's the most truthful statement of it all, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Hey. With that being said, Kenny King, it was a short week. It was an easy week. And it should be like that, hopefully, for a little bit because Raider Nation needs to be happy, man. We got some good stuff going on. We got things to be excited about. Maybe Real Talk has a shift of gears here the next couple months. You know, Real Talk, hey, Real Talk doesn't always have to be bad. We can we can Real right. Talk about good things, too, you know? You're right, man. You're absolutely right. But talking I, about the bad is just so much fun. It ah. is. So, hey, you know what, though? Real, but Real Talk, Raider fans, I'm, I'm going to give a message out to the Raider fans right now. Y'all, dog. Stop fighting each other on Twitter. Okay, yeah. we're not going to draft Kyler Murray. Oh. Derek Carr is our quarterback. Thank you. Uh, AB is a number one receiver. Uh, a lot of the guys that, that got signed these past couple days are not going to be starters. So stop losing your minds. Yeah. And we and we will get a pass rusher. Just calm down. There we go. Special shout out to uh, salty oh. Steelers fans. Antonio Brown is a number one wide receiver. Get out of here. You do ain't filling those shoes. Back up, boy. Get out of here. Get out of here. Kenny King, this was a excellent, short, sweet week of real talk. Uh, I expect a little bit more next week, man. I think I think we got a good segment coming up next week for sure. Uh, yeah. But until then, brother, it was good. It was good talking to you, man. We'll see you next week. Appreciate you guys. Take care, brother.
Bam, Chris. Wrapped up a good week here. Rory killed it. Kenny King came in short and sweet. Targeted a guy that needed to be targeted a long time ago. I'm happy with it, man. What do you think? Another great episode, bro. It was a lot of fun. Just talking Raiders football. Like you were saying, man, it's an exciting time right now. So to be able to kind of talk in detail about everything that's going on is uh it's a lot of fun to do man this football team raiders man i feel like they're on the rise and there's momentum building man i'm excited yes sir yes sir and just like we stated a little bit at the beginning of the podcast we got some work going on behind the scenes uh we're also selling stickers now if you guys are interested in some raider cody podcast stickers we're selling them Dude, for those five stickers bucks. are sweet bro those stickers are sweet Dude, they're not just sweet, man. They're super high quality. I'm not just going to say it to say it, but these things are 3M material. If you're familiar with graphics, that's top notch. They're die cut. We didn't go cheap on you guys, man. You want a good Raider Cody podcast slipper, sticker to slap on something, you got it right here. Five bucks a piece. Go to the website, RaiderCody.com. You could DM me on Twitter, anything to get it done, PayPal, Venmo, whatever it is. I'll make you a special deal if you buy multiple um, consider it not just you buying a sticker consider it a slight donation to the podcast as well um, not a whole lot but a little bit helps us out uh, but besides that even then stay tuned we might have a little bit of a soft launch of a foundation coming soon name is still under works we're not really sure what we're going with me and Chris have been discussing a few things here and there what we're going to go with but there's a lot of things brewing up here for the Raider Cody podcast make sure you stay up to date on the Twitter on our website, if you're not subscribed, RaiderCody.com. Make sure you call in, like I said earlier, 808-650-7220. Thanks to everyone that's listened. and Stay tuned, man. We're only getting better. But until next week, see you guys. Later, nation. <laughs>